You are listening to the San Antonio Zen Center Dharma Talks. The San Antonio Zen Center is supported solely by donation, so that everyone can participate in our offerings and programs, regardless of income. If you are able, please consider making a donation to SAZC through the donation button on our site, sanantoniozen.org, or by visiting paypal.me slash sanantoniozen. Thank you for your practice and enjoy the talk. Good morning. So at this time of year, in various temples throughout the U.S., uh, various incenters are doing a, a ceremony called Sijiki. We do it around the period of, of uh, Halloween or uh, Dia de los Muertos. In Japan, it's it's a uh, a midsummer ceremony held during the during Oban, which is uh, my understanding is paying homage to one's family members, uh, one's familial ancestors. Oban ceremony. And the Sajiki ceremony is, is uh, incorporated in Oban. The story, the, the, the story of origin of the ceremony of Sajiki is um, one of the Buddha's disciples, uh, Moggallana, told him about a dream that he had about his deceased mother, that she was uh, in a hell realm and suffering intensely. And so the story goes, the Buddha had Moggallana make offerings to his mother, offerings that, that um, would have appealed to her to help free her from the hell realm. And the, the ceremony of Sijiki is, uh, in a way, a ceremony that epitomizes the Bodhisattva vow, because it is a ceremony that we do on behalf of beings who are in or in hell realms. As we know, there's six realms in Buddhism and the hell realm is one of them. So we are in the human realm. So on behalf of the beings in the hell realms, we do the Sajiki ceremony. 
and these beings in the in the hell realms are are what we call hungry ghosts. And these hungry ghosts are depicted as having a, a belly as big as a house and a very, very long neck. And this neck is, is as big as a needle. So the depiction is of a being with vast hunger, tremendous yearning that can never be sated, can never be fulfilled. And this is indeed one of the um, translations of the word dukkha in, in Buddhism is craving. At city center in San Francisco, prior to the Sajiki ceremony, there are banners that are hung. There's one in particular that is hung from the, uh, there's a stairway in the middle of the building that's hung from the second floor stairway all the way down to the ground floor. And at the very top of the banner is a head and at the very bottom is this, is the body and, and and in this distance in between is this long meandering neck. And there are other banners depicting the hungry ghosts as well too. And the ceremony itself is, is very interesting. Um, at the urban temples that I practiced at um, people wear costumes, they're in disguise. Even uh, the, the abbot who led the ceremony at uh, San Francisco Zen Center, he would wear his robes and he would wear his uh, Groucho Marx glasses and nose and little mustache. But the purpose of the costumes is really um, to disguise ourselves so that the, uh, the hungry ghosts don't recognize us and they feel more comfortable coming in. The altar is set up on the opposite side of the Buddha hall or the Zendo. In Atasahara, it's, it's against the front doors and everyone enters through the back door. Um, at city center and in, in other urban temples I practice at, it's on the opposite side of the room. <clears throat> Again, this is to kind of deceive the hungry ghost into coming in. We're tricking him in. And just to make it a little bit more special, 
there are often sweets and junk food on the altar to appeal to the, to the hunger of the hungry ghosts. So we're, you know, we're not really trying to deceive, we're just trying to make it easier for the hungry ghosts to come in so that they can be freed from the hell realm. We think of these hungry ghosts as being deeply, deeply mythological, symbolic creatures. Indeed, I think we've all known people who um, are no longer with us who suffered intensely from craving From, from deep, deep suffering. I think we can't live as long as we have without having known people who are no longer with us who suffered very, very much. And during the time that they were alive, we're living in a hell realm. Indeed, you could, we could even argue that when we first come to practice, we're living in a hell realm. Because it's often suffering that brings us to practice. So whenever we come in and we sit zazen, which uh, Reb Anderson Roshi says is a ceremony, Sazen itself is a ceremony. We begin the process of feeding the hungry ghosts. Known or unknown, seen and unseen. Such a very powerful ceremony. And as part of the ceremony of the, of Sajiki, there is a, a chant that's, um, that's done. Uh, in Japanese, it's a kanroman. In, in English, uh, it's referred to as the gate of sweet dew. And in, in the peacemaker order, um, at their bearing witness retreats, they do the Kanroman. They chant the Kanroman as part of um, freeing beings in the in the hell realms. So in the Kanroman, it begins with the Durrani of summoning the deceased spirits to the great assembly. 
So during the ceremony, we're inviting the deceased spirits in the hell realms into the Buddha hall with us to begin the process of freeing them. And as part of this, we are bearing witness. We're bearing witness to the beings that are freed. We're being, we are bearing witness to our own liberation and the liberation of others in the room with us. So there's the invocation, there's the invitation. And this is followed by breaking down the gates of hell and opening the throats. So we're finally opening the throats enough to where nourishment can be taken, where we can be truly fed, not by craving, not in a craving kind of way, but in a, in a nutritional, nourishing, deeply satisfying way. So this is the process of opening the throats. And as part of the ceremony, the doshi, the priest leading service, um, there's a, a, the ingredients for what looks like we would call a burrito uh, are on the altar and the, and the priest leading the service makes up this meal for the benefit of the hungry ghosts, to nourish the hungry ghosts. <clears throat> and then this meal is flavored. Uh, it, it's in, imbued with the flavor of Dharma with sweet dew. So making it easier for the medicine to go down. And then afterwards, there is, a lot of this is a call and response. There are the, the Dharanis uh, that summon the five Tathagatas. And these are the mini jewels Tathagata, the wondrous form body Tathagata, the king of sweet dew Tathagata, the boundless body Tathagata, and the freedom from fear, Tathagata. One of the things that so successfully imprisons us in a hell realm is, is fear. Fear of our perception of the world, fear of the existence of the world and the five fears. So there's, there is the process of uh, becoming free from fear so that we can relax into our existence and be freed from the hell realm, the hell realm of fear.
And then there's the Durrani, and then afterwards we do the Durrani for arousing Bodhi mind. That which is purest and best in us, the mind of awareness. And then the precepts are bestowed upon these beings in the hell realms. And this is the, the, the ceremony, uh, the last Durrani, the second to last Durrani is the Durrani for residing in the great virtuous, virtuous jeweled pavilion. So basically um, the, be uh, the beings that have been freed from hell are now set at ease. They're no longer in hell, they've been set at ease. When the ceremony begins, it's uh, it's often quite cacophonous because there are drums and horns to get the attention, to get the attention of the of all the beings in the hell realms. To, hey, what's what's over there? What what am I hearing over there? And you go through three cycles of this. And in the ceremony, we do various rounds of three. This is this is part of uh, part of the Buddhist numerology, I guess you could say. Three times it means you really mean it. You know, whenever you, whenever you do something, three times. So we are in a period of time right now where we have many, many beings in hell realms and hungry ghosts in the world that we are walking in, that we are inhabiting right now. We are, there's a lot of othering happening. There is a lot of pain, a lot of dissension. And all of this happens while the, in the, in the uh, lead up to the equinox. Days are getting shorter, nights are getting longer. There's something about this time of year When we slow down, maybe we're not as distracted as easily. It really lends itself to a lot of reflection, both self-reflection and just reflection on the world around us. We really don't have to look far to see beings in hell realm.
we do not have to look far at all to see the deep suffering of the world. And as part of our vow, we say, beings are numberless, I vow to save them, knowing that it's an impossibility to do so. But what we say is, I'm going to make my best effort. I'm going to make my best effort to meet all beings, whether they're in hell realms, in human realms, whatever realms they're in. just to meet everyone where they are. Not trying to fix, not trying to change minds, but just to see, really see where people are. It's my experience that if we look close enough, we can usually see the suffering little kid. And when we can do that, the throats begin to open. Because we can really see the suffering that, that people are experiencing. During the independence movement in, in India, One of my one of my heroes, Mahatma Gandhi, was a was a passionate believer in nonviolent resistance. And at one meeting, I think some some folks were losing patience, and. Uh, someone advocated killing the British. Uh, and, I, and I believe it was in retribution for a specific act. And uh, the Mahatma said, I want to change their minds, not kill them for weaknesses we all possess. I want to change their minds not kill them for weaknesses that we all possess. That really feels like the epitome of the Bodhisattva vow. You know, it's just like, I'm gonna see their suffering. I'm gonna see the suffering of the British. And also knowing where the real work was. Because his other saying, his uh, uh, not saying, but something else he also said was, um, the easiest enemy are the British, because I can get them to do what I want them to do. The ones that are a little bit more difficult are the, the Indian people. It takes, it takes more work to, to, bring, to bring them along. He said, but the most difficult adversary that I've ever known is a man named Mohandas K. Gandhi. 
With him, I seem to have very little influence. <laughs> so he was always aware of the work that needed to be done for his hungry ghosts in his life. And because he was uh, so so deeply flawed and still was able to do such miraculous work, it's like, oh, there's, there's hope for all of us. There really is hope for all of us. So it's, it's so important to be able to see when someone is struggling, because we know what realm they're in. We know the ways in which they're suffering. We don't know their suffering, but we, we can see that they're suffering. Because at heart that really, um, I guess you could say, that's what binds us together in a way. Being able to see the suffering of others, to see our suffering and the suffering of others. If we despise someone for their intolerance, you know, it's important to look at our own intolerance. If we have a strong reaction to someone, it's really, it's about us. It really has nothing to do with them. These are our hungry ghosts yearning to be nourished, yearning to be taken care of. Can we open our own throats and take in the nourishment that we need? And this is what happens when we sit sazen. When we come and we sit, or when we're present to our own suffering, we're pouring the sweet dew down our own throats, becoming satiated. The fear dropping off able to live our life for the benefit of all. We don't have to have that. We don't even have to have the aspiration of living our life for the benefit of all because when we are completely present, when we are awake, we're doing it. We don't have to have the extra thought of, oh, I'm living I'm living for the benefit of all beings because we are living for the benefit of all beings the thought is just extra so when we're actually living for the benefit of all beings we're opening the throats freeing beings freeing others freeing ourselves from the deep suffering that can arise just by virtue of being human and having a karmic existence.
And in this chant, the, the, at the end of the chant, the Kanroman It says, by the positive energy of this assembly, we repay the virtue of our parents, toil and care. May the living be blessed with joy and longevity without misery. May the deceased be freed from suffering and be born into peaceful nurturing. May conscious beings in the three realms, having received the four benefactions, together with those born to suffering in the threefold path and the eight difficult situations, all thoroughly repent their errors, wash away their defects, finally depart the round, the round of samsara and be born in the pure land. Such a nice way to end the ceremony, doing this for, for all. May all beings be liberated from suffering. And may this liberation continue endlessly. <laughs>